Hello and welcome to the Wise Guys Podcast. I'm your host, Brady Fitzgerald, joined as always by my co-host, Chris Hagan. How you guys doing? So we have a special guest today, another Wise interview for the books. We have Mr. Cameron Stewart. How you doing today? Doing great, man. Nice to meet you. Yeah, it's nice to meet you too. Uh, all right, so let's just get right into the questions since we don't know when this Zoom meeting is going to end. So uh, let's uh, let's start with the basics. What uh, what got you into football? What made you you know want to start playing and play offensive lineman? Oh, got me sorry. I want let me let me go back real quick. Introduce you properly. <laughs> offensive guard at Bowling Green and spent three years at Coastal Carolina. Coastal Carolina alum, by the way, Mr. Cameron Green. Sure. All right, okay, Mr. Cameron. But no, what got me into football, I guess that goes back to being a kid. Played a lot of sports growing up. Uh, played, obviously, football, basketball, soccer, but never really got into tackle football. But for me, it was kind of like, it was kind of something that everybody else was doing. So I wanted to play football, but I couldn't really play tackle football until seventh grade because my, my moms wouldn't let me get that opportunity. So I um, basically went out for the team in seventh grade, made the team. And uh, just ever since then, it was my brother. My big brother is my inspiration. So kept on working hard and just trying to be the best ball player I could be. And now I'm here. So that's awesome. Did you think that? Uh, did you think that late start maybe uh, affected you a little di- differently than some of the other kids that have been playing for for multiple years beforehand? Yeah, well, to be honest, being at the college, being at the college level, the one thing I have realized is it doesn't really affect me now in the ways that you would think it really mainly affects me in the weight room like just like some some kids getting a quicker start to just football in general and understanding how to use their body and translating that to the weight room to make themselves better for me i just kind of came into the weight room and i was just i was just figuring out how to pick up weights i was just figuring out how to really just lift and trying to get stronger before i actually realized how i could use it to attain my body but for the most part I feel like when you get to like this level, like my fourth year in college, it's kind of like, it's kind of if you know you if you know how to play football, you're here for a reason. And I mean, so there's some guys that are freaks and some guys that are technical guys. It just doesn't really, it doesn't really affect me as much. Makes sense. Makes sense. So in in high school, you guys or you are part of a pretty dominant high school program. Back now, looking at your resume. Was there, was that like talent? You guys just had a bunch of studs that went on to play D1 or how did you guys attain so much success? Now, it's funny that you asked that question because you ask people in South Carolina, they hated us. And they hated us for a lot of reasons. Like, granted, we won a lot. I'm pretty sure, uh, I'm pretty sure those guys, uh, they actually, they were going to win their sixth straight championship for they lost there's six straight 5A state championship, but they lost in the state finals this past this past uh, winter. They were on on the way to six, which is pretty good. Yeah. I mean, if you were if you were in that program, like obviously there's talent. We had a uh, we had a lot of guys that they had played together since elementary school, like down at our middle school systems and everything. We all came up together. We had a few pieces that came in from other schools, came along the way. So we had talent. Um, we had a lot of big guys. We had a lot of fast guys. Like our skills were crazy. I don't know if you know names like Jalen Hyatt, um, like 
uh, DeMarco Johnson. We had a couple guys, Elijah Spencer. Those are just a few names to throw around. But um, mainly it was that coaching staff because, I mean, everybody's got talent when it comes to high school football. Everybody's good. But when you see everybody that's in college is good, but when you see Dutch Fork football play back in high school, we were just clean cut. Coach Knotts used to drill in our head every day what it took to win the, win the game on Friday. And it doesn't just start on Thursday or Wednesday. It started a whole week in preparation before. Like, you win a game Friday night, you start on Saturday. That's basically how we treat it. So. That, that's, a, that's a great way to, 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 to like, you're, as, as in the coaching and the stuff, that's a great way to prep. It seems like that's how a lot of uh, D1 colleges and a lot of NFL teams really take their prep, too. So that seriousness is probably what gave you guys the – the uh, the bump and the competitiveness or the advantage on the field. Okay. So uh so you were part of a couple undersized uh offensive lines uh, at Coastal Carolina. How did that affect your guys's you know game plans, your QB play, and how you faced against other teams? Well, um, to be fair, it was uh, it's kind of funny because. I remember back in my sophomore season, that 2020 year, I don't know if y'all remember, but we kind of got the name the Mighty Mites for the offensive <laughs> line. So it's like, for someone like me being 6'6", I wanted to not like that name, but then again, I was playing that season at like 260. So I was I was still a Mighty Mite, just a little just a little bit slimmer in my own right. But uh, nah, we, um, basically it was like with the coaching staff, they just in grind work, effort, like, being the toughest cats on the field, making sure that nobody, if somebody's trying to, if somebody's trying to punk one of our guys or somebody's trying to do one of our guys bad, you make sure to let them know and you get them back on that next play. It was basically like, excuse my language, but a take no shit mentality. So, I mean, if you're like, when you're walking out, Trey Carter was like six foot, Sammy Thompson was, I don't even know if he's 5'10", and Willie Lampard was like <laughs> Like they're gonna be people that are gonna look down on those lines. So, mm-hmm. was, I mean, it was just about toughness and heart with those those groups. I mean, I respect them. I love it because it taught me a lot, and I can take on to not only the rest of my football career but the rest of my life. Yeah, and with that type of mentality, was there any type of switching in like the the whether it's power blocking or finesse blocking? And I have I'm no offensive lineman, so I. Had sometimes have no idea what I'm talking about in this kind of category, but was there any way of different technique for the the guys that were smaller on the smaller side? Yeah, to be honest, it was because see the thing about an offensive lineman is one of the hardest things to train for some for saying there's different types of bodies at the offensive line spot. If you look at a guy like me, like I'm a taller, leaner guy, so it's like. If I have the ability to bend, that's good. But I really have to use my assets, which I hope are my quick feet and my length, my long arms, to get contact on immediately. But when you have guys like that, one thing that smaller guys really tend to do better than taller guys is sit down. Like, say when a bull rush is coming, you want to take it on. Like, you want to li- really want to, like, bring your, bring your hands underneath and sit down, kind of sit down and absorb that pressure so that you can stop them in their tracks. One thing that those guys are all good at is really just sitting down. And because they're so like they're because they're small in the average lineman, their change of direction was it was tough. We came out on the field looking in the all white, all black, or the all teal, and cats weren't sloppy. They weren't 
they weren't slow. They were cutting. They were fast. And it basically helped us because we ran an outside zone scheme. So basically, we do a lot of pitch work to the outside, widening the field, taking opportunities to cut it inside, cut it in between the A and B gaps. So it was solid because we had guys that could go the whole game without getting tired and just clear open holes, but also get on the outside to seal and create edges for the faster guys on the team. Opportunities. So going off that, did your like game plan as the offensive line group change when you would face a team like like a Kansas or a BYU who you're probably going to line up against some you know faster, stronger guys than you would in the Sun Belt, right? No cap, hundred <laughs> percent. I can't even lie to you. Those man, watching a Power Five team on film. It's one of the funniest things to do. Because, I mean, like I said, you want you want to remain humble at every stance, but you want to maintain confidence. When you go down the line and you look at the players that are on a Power 5 roster, it's crazy because you're coming from a school as close to Carolina. We're pretty, we're a pretty solid school. We played Kansas that first year. A lot of potential. We had a good, good squad. You're looking down the line, 6'7", 300, defensive end. Six eight three thirty, like six two two forty running a four four, like it's it's crazy. There's athletes all over the field, but uh, I think the cool thing about Coastal Carolina football was when we played, we were confident in who we were, and one thing that made us such an appeal was we didn't care who we played, we were still gonna walk out on that field with the same mentality, regardless of whether you're power five regardless of whether you're top 25 in the nation, top 20. And we went out there and we just, our game plan would change like in certain ways or certain things you just couldn't do because of the size you'd have on the edge or the size you'd have in the middle. There would be certain things that we'd shift to be more consistent. We would do a little less or we'd do a little more in another area. But for the most part, it was mainly the same, same thing. I was pretty cool about playing off the line at Coastal Carolina. We were pretty consistent with what we did. And if you stopped it, then that's okay because we got another thing in the bag that you're going to have to figure out how to stop right after that. So, Yeah. And you guys had two incredible seasons. Your, I guess, would have been your sophomore and junior year. You guys really took the nation by storm. So what changed between your freshman year where you guys missed the bowl game and then those next two seasons? really changed to be honest I don't think anything changed other than the fact that this team had just grown because when I came into Coastal Carolina my freshman year when I committed they were the year prior they were the youngest team the youngest college football team in the entire in the entire uh, nation in the entire nation so my sophomore year that was honestly just a culmination of a bunch of guys that were going into their fourth, fifth, and third years that were just ready to like, no, mainly their fourth and fifth years, they were mainly ready to just get the ball rolling and actually start winning some games. They had been through a lot of adversity before I got there. And even that five and seven season, that sucked. Granted, we had a lot of injuries, but going five and seven sucked. But um, they had just been through a lot of adversity with a tight knit group. 
So our leaders were strong. Our leaders, they knew what it take, took to win, and all that stuff just split down to the whole group. And also, I don't know if you heard, but during the COVID break, a couple of the guys, they brought in weight room equipment. One of the, one of the guys, uh, Steven Badowski, his pops, he brought in some weight room equipment, brought it into one of the houses out in Aspen, Big Silas and Teddy's crib, and they were just like lifting, having a full team come through when workouts weren't an option because COVID was present. So The old Tom Brady method. Exactly. Tom Brady method, man. So we just – I feel like the thing, the thing that was special about that 2020 team was we just went out and made it happen. Like every week we were doubted. Dang near every week we were picked to lose. We just went out and made it happen. And that's what was special to watch, honestly. It was – it was one of my favorite one of my favorite seasons that I'll remember for the rest of my life, to be completely honest. It was that much fun. So that leads to uh, the biggest game in school history that you got to be a part of, which was facing number eight BYU and Zach Wilson. And then what was what so what were the emotions like beforehand and then afterwards? BYU, man. I mean it was it was honestly, it's looking back on it, that night afterwards, you realize, wow, that was really, that could have been, that was one of the biggest games of the year. Like, because they're on ESPN, Scott Van Pelt's talking about, this is one of the biggest games of the season. Is this the best game of the season? But before, it was straight mean mugging. I won't even lie. Like, <laughs> I feel like everybody was locked in for that game because coming in, they're saying these guys are just, straight facts these guys are older because you know it's BYU they're mainly like that's a Mormon school right Mm -hmm. so yeah so like I mean with Mormonism they go on missions at some points in their life and a lot of those guys were older like 22 23 24 just saying like just a lot of the pendants were basically saying they're just grown men so we're gonna get bodied out there and that basically put a lot of pressure on the offensive line lot of criticism on us to think just up front we just couldn't match them so I feel like everybody was really locked in because they knew that if we wanted a chance to make a New Year's Six Bowl excuse me this was going to be the game on national television college game day against a potential against a first round draft pick second overall pick and one of the most one of the hottest teams in the country like we all knew that this was this was make or break. Like this was going to be the point that would remember our season, but we didn't really think like that. I don't think, I think we all just thought walked in thinking let's do our assignments and let's prove, prove everybody wrong. That's basically what we were taught. So, uh, you guys did you, I mean, uh, for people who don't know at home, you guys just, uh, beat BYU, uh, had a great game. Great running game too, so that's a lot. On you were just talking about how the offensive line was doubted, so a lot of uh, must have been great feelings for them. And so, how disappointed were you guys afterwards when you guys were still doubted? You were ten and zero, end of the season fourteen and zero, and still had to play in the, the Cure Bowl instead of a, a New York or a New Year's Day game. I mean, I know the team was the team was pretty mad. The team was really mad. Me personally, I I thought we had done I thought we had done enough as a team to get there and prove our resume. It's kinda like we beat a top team in the country. We beat the team you told us to beat. 
We beat everybody on our schedule by 20, 25 or more points. So kind of what else can you do? And I mean, if you go back and look through all those papers and all those articles, you'll see the same same thing coming from Coach Chad one from all the other coaches and stuff. But um, me personally, I kind of, I kind of felt like it sucked. It kind of partially sucked that we missed the Sun Belt Championship game because of COVID, and we had uh, we couldn't play Louisiana Lafayette. So I feel like that really killed our chances at the New Year's Six Bowl. But me personally, we had the Cure Bowl, and this was this season. This was one of the three games or three or four games I started in. So I was looking at, yo, I'm about to play in the Cure Bowl. I'm about to play in a bowl game on ESPN. I know it sucks when I'm not in the New Year's Six Bowl, but blessings come in many different type blessings come in many different packages. So for me personally, this might be my blessing to actually make good on the chances that God has given me. So that uh the cure bowl was fun, but it sucked to lose. I know that for sure. Yeah. That yeah, that's a that's a great mentality to have and you were saying the you know you play the people in front of you you play the team they told you to be and it's you're right you should have uh should have been should have been going somewhere else besides the cure rule but you had a great way to look at it so yeah yeah and speaking of opportunities you now have a new opportunity this season you've got your bachelor's degree right from coastal and now moving on to bowling green so what what was your experience with the trans there you go uh with the transfer portal, because I know there's been, it's been a hot topic in college football now. A lot of things are changing. The transfer portal has changed a lot. So what was your experience like entering and then being re-recruited, I guess? Uh, yeah. I mean, to be honest, you said it yourself. College football is crazy right now. Because, I mean, I mean, I know you're asking a question about the transfer portal, but besides the transfer portal, the realignment of conferences like mm-hmm. USC, Oklahoma, UCLA, I mean, all that stuff is crazy. I don't even know what's going on, but with the portal, that was a, man, that was a, that was a trip. That was something. Basically, uh, I left, I came back to Coastal Carolina kind of on the fence about whether I was going to finish my time out of Coastal Carolina. And um, basically, I love the place, love the school, love the people. But like I said, God brings blessings in different packages. So he just had a different opportunity for me. And he had a different path for me. And me being, if I claim to be a servant, if I claim to be a Christian, I just had to follow that path that God placed in front of me. And to be honest, when I was in the portal, that was that was a lot of confusion for me. Like, I know, like, this is usually, like, I know, like, this is usually pod, podcasts where you lighthearted and stuff like that. But I was honestly in a rough spot because – I le- I kind of left the team early January. I don't think I hit the transfer portal until like a month after. And usually people leave a team and they hit the portal immediately so they can talk to as many coaches as they wanted to. But for me, I just had a lot of confusion going on. I honestly, I honestly was so caught and enamored in the fact that I feel like I hadn't achieved what exactly what I had set out myself at Coastal Carolina and so I just was frustrated because I wasn't ready to go but I was being pulled to a different situation so I kind of had to look at it and keep telling myself day after day afterwards after I hit the portal like there's a song called Jaira that I would listen to 
and the word the lyrics of repeater i will be content in every circumstance because you are jara and that's where i get my faith from like because i don't know my hope comes from the lord so like but basically like that month i had people asking me like yo why aren't you hitting the portal when you're in the portal like and i tell them like i just haven't got my film done yet like i'm not ready i'm not ready but um once i hit it was uh it was blessings on blessings i was literally in a class and i had so many coaches just flooding my line because an offensive lineman with experience like starting in about 10 games and playing in 30 in a three-year career man that's that's just that's a gold mine in the transfer portal and i didn't even realize it so i had a lot of coaches i had some talk from um i had a couple of I had a couple of power fives i'm not crazy i'm not gonna be one of those guys that says like i had power fives on my line but i talked to <laughs> a couple of power fives and everything just a just a little bit of a flex. You can uh, you can brag as much. Yeah, as well. yeah, yeah. There's no there's nothing wrong with that. But no, um, I talked to a couple group of fives in uh, FCS schools, and basically, um, I had a lot of schools wanting to offer me, which was a blessing. Not a lot of opportunities, but uh, eventually I kind of cut it down to about four or five, six schools that I could really consider, and I basically took visits to Charleston Southern. Northern Iowa, um, and Western Carolina, and Bowling Green, and I had another. I had a, two more visits I could have taken, but with school and everything, I just I kind of prayed on it, and I was thinking about where I wanted to go, and basically I ended up here at Bowling Green. That's how it went. That's awesome. So that experience, compared to recruiting on the high school level. Is there a lot of differences, or is it all sort of kind of the same thing three years later? It is completely different. I won't lie to you. Hold on, let me let me turn on my light real quick. <laughs> no worries, no worries. I'll just go ahead and say it is completely different. When you're 16, 17, and a college coach comes up to you, and they ask you, yo, we want to talk to you. You're not gonna, you're not gonna question in your head, yo, what's their plan? What do they want with me? In your head, you're gonna be thinking, dang, I'm talking to a Division One coach. I'm talking to a coach, like that's a legit college football coach. And you're gonna be ecstatic about everything. The blessings are still there when you're in, when you're in the transfer portal. Like you're obviously thankful. But for me, being on the other side. Like, I've seen how they talk to recruits in the coaching office. I've seen how they list their recruits. I'm not going to let off too much, put out too, too much uh, information, everything. Like, I'll put you on game. I've seen, like, there's ways that you can tell if a coach really wants you on the team. There's ways that coaches talk to their top recruits, frequency of calling, how much, how much time they spend on the phone, like their eye contact, their text, what they send you, what they're saying to you. So with me being on the other side and knowing that, I was kind of able to kind of see through the bull crap, I guess, and like dig through it and really find the schools that I know for sure really wanted me. Because like if a school, see everybody sees when you see you when you hit the portal. If mm -hmm. a school he's like talks to you one week and they talk to you a month later, like you don't want to, you don't want to talk to them. You know what I mean? You don't want to entertain them because they could do the same thing when you get on campus they could talk to you one week and then talk to you a month later 
Yeah. Yeah, that must have been tough to to figure out like which coaches wanted you part of their scheme, wanted to actually play you and uh stuff like that. So I'm sure when you're when you were transferring to the transfer portal, you could see through see through the lies and stuff like that. And also part of that like I'm glad you said it, the scheme. Part of that you kind of want to find some place that matches your playing style to the best cuz when you're in college, when you're in high school like you come to a school and more likely than not they can develop you into their scheme but as i got older i kind of had more when i was in the portal history i kind of had more understanding of how i like to play the game mm-hmm. and so watching film of these schools when i'm watching how they run their offense i can more more or less see what they're doing and see if i want to do what those tackles are doing or if i want to do it those guys on the line are doing you know what i mean so yeah so while we're while we're on recruiting, I'm just curious: Do high school athletes or guys in the portal ever put any stock into the 247sports.com website? Because I know us us college football fans, we probably look at that site a little bit too much when we're looking at recruits and you know, like insider reports and things like that. Do you guys look at that at all? That website with the rankings and everything. You know, there you're gonna find a lot of people that will tell you they don't care about stars. Let me get this straight. Athletes care about stars. <laughs> like I ain't gonna lie to you. When I um when I was in high school and I checked two four seven rivals and I saw that I had three stars, I was like, Excuse me, bro, cause <laughs> my head it's like my head growing up, like I thought like I'm playing NCAA and I'm looking at the stars and I'm thinking, dang, I'm a I'm one of these athletes now. I'm a three-star athlete. But once you check it, it's um, it can do a lot of things for you. For me, mine was motivation. It was um, I saw it was cool to see that people knew who I was. People recognized me as like one of the better athletes in the state. For other people, it's motivation. Like say you're a two-star athlete. Like I know one of the best quarterbacks in the country, Grayson McCall. He was a two-star athlete. And when he was coming in, he didn't really have a lot of hype around him. He had a couple offers, like, Army and stuff like that. And just, like, Army East, like, UNC Charlotte, something like that. And then his boy, Will McDonald, he was, like, in the same boat. But these are two of the best ball players I've seen at the college level. Will definitely has untapped talent that I guarantee you're going to see. On, you're going to see a couple new guys in the offensive line for Coastal Carolina this year. They're going to go crazy. Just keep your eye out for that. I mean, now you see Grayson, he's in the Heisman race, stuff like that. I mean, so stars are stars are a double-edged sword. Their motivation, but if they speak on your potential, your potential is only as far as you're willing to take it. So. But to answer your question, yeah, we look at stars. <laughs> so uh, you just talked about uh, Grayson McCall, and uh, I want to ask, actually, right before I ask, I just wanted to tell you guys we only have eight minutes left. So yeah, I, I see that ticker. Yeah. So, uh... We can, you know, we can, we can always do this again. We can always do this again. But uh, I got to ask, so do you see, do you think my, our guy, Grayson McCall, can get get to the first round? Bro, he's a first rounder, no doubt. I don't lie to you. He's, that cat's a first rounder. He's a baller. Like, I mean, anybody that's been around him, especially in our class that came in, anybody that's been around him since that first day of summer, he's a baller. And when it comes to first time, I don't, I honestly don't get why he get why he's why he gets so much criticism and why he is underrated. To be honest, like 
you watch his film, I get that our offense may not the, – the offense that Coach Carolina may not have been like the typical NFL offense, but at the same time, I mean, he makes all the throws. He can run. He's 6'3". I mean, he's agile. He's smart. And I think he's first round. But, I mean – Love to hear it. Love to hear it. So, uh, also, speaking of other teammates that you've played with before, Isaiah Likely, uh, and we have a lot of Ravens fans that like this pod since we're, we're both from Maryland. So, I got to ask, do you do you see him uh, getting an impact uh, on the Ravens this year behind Mark Andrews? I told somebody the other day, we were watching, like, a low-key, we are talking about players we played with, and we I pulled up his highlights. I told somebody the other night, Isaiah Likely is going to be the best rookie tight end and wide receiver in the league next year so that's all I'm love to say. hear it love to hear it that is a great pick so one more thing that i think we should definitely i'm curious about what you think about is the nil so what is your we just talked about how college football is crazy right now that's another thing that's fairly new that it's really changing a lot within the game and with recruiting and everything. So what has been your experience with NIL? Like how has it shifted recruiting? How has it shifted like the way that guys handle all that? Personally, I mean, I've had a couple NIL opportunities, some smaller ones here and there that I've been able to make good on, but for someone in my position at a group of five, like especially a smaller one, it definitely gives good opportunity for people with a little bit of pull to their names to make a, make good of what they're playing and what they're playing for and build on their name, image, and likeness. I know what the power fives, I mean, it is what it is in my opinion, but at the end of the day, excuse me, sorry, I feel like power to the, I'm a player, so I'm going to think power to the players is always best. The conference realignment, like, I mean, I want to see how it's going to pan out I, I never I never saw UCLA and USC as Big Ten teams, but I feel like it might take away from a bit of the culture and tradition. But to be fair, like I, I've only ever lived in South Carolina, so I mean, as long as South Carolina, like when I was growing up, it's South Carolina and Clemson, so that's really our tradition and stuff like that. So I didn't, I, I don't really know too much about this situation, speak much on anything. So uh, you brought it up. I gotta say, I gotta ask. Uh, as a as a South Carolina student, I gotta I gotta ask. Was there any sort of recruitment with Muschamp there? Because it was still the Muschamp era at that point. Oh yeah, there was. I mean, there was a little bit because Muschamp was always up at uh, our field, our field uh, recruiting. Um, he was recruited talking to Bryce Thompson, uh, Jalen Hyatt, talking to Ty Lynchell, and a couple other guys. So I mean, I definitely spoke with uh, a few South Carolina coaches. And even someone I was in the portal, but the thing with me is, I was always a skinnier guy. Like you gotta, mm-hmm. you gotta understand. I played my senior season at two twenty five. Oh dang! Yeah. I always wanted to get up to two fifty or two sixty when I was in high school, because I knew for sure I knew I could have large opportunities. But that's just what it was. So I mean, me being in the portal, I was two seventy. I'm two eighty five now. Bowling Green's helped me do a good job of putting on weight and putting it on the right way. Hopefully and prayerfully on my way at the 300 and eventually 315. But yeah, just, um, yeah, South Carolina has definitely spoken to me. And Clemson is always in school. But I mean, that's the dream school, but 
That's a dream school. Oof. The dream school. I don't know about that. I think the go- the bowling green orange is better than that orange. So no, yeah, I, I, I I like that much better. Growing up, when you when you're like when you're six years old and you're 20 minutes away from the University of South Carolina, yeah, that's a dream school. When you turn 21, you're a grown man. You want to rock those bowling green Falcons. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Uh, yeah. So now that, now that we're on that, how are how are things going with? Are you guys doing? Is it just workouts now, or are you into full practices? I love it. Um, it's uh, we got camp starting next week for four days Monday. Gotcha. Um, a couple of guys just went up to media day for some uh, Mac action, and uh, action. I love Mac action. Now we're just freaking on, um, working hard and getting ready for camp. Just trying to finish getting the touches on the playbook and understanding what we're doing in the offense, and I'm ready to put the pads on. It's been a minute. Oh yeah, I mean, I think we're we got to be like 40 days or less away yeah. from kicking off the season. I know everyone's excited. I'm sure you guys like, are incredibly excited. Thanks. Yeah, I'm I'm hyped. I'm hyped. We got UCLA first game, then we got a couple games on TV, so it's definitely good. Allowing the people back home to watch my games and stuff like that, and uh, I'm excited. I'm really excited. Yeah. Any uh, I you can't. I know you can't give us too much. Uh. Do you have any any favorite, you know, favorite thing you're looking forward to with this with this new team? Um, I'm looking forward to uh, to be fair, I'm looking forward to blocking for Matt McDonald, one of the best quarterbacks in the MAC. We got a good group of one running backs back there that can make some pulls and do something good in the secondary and get into the second level. Uh, we got a lot of talent on the defensive side, and we're a tight knit group, so. I mean, everybody around here is looking forward to that UCLA game. First game in the Rose Bowl, it's going to be insane. And it's going to be the first game in the Mississippi State game, obviously. But me personally, I'm kind of looking forward to seeing how I do with uh, this Tuesday night matching. Mm-hmm. We got four straight in the month of November. So hopefully my GPA doesn't take a hit tonight. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, all right. Well, we'll we'll have to have you on again since this thirty minute Zoom thing is is messing us up. So we got a minute left. Uh, we'll wrap things up. But thanks again for coming on. This was a blast. Absolutely, man. I appreciate y'all. Yeah. yeah. My first one. I love it. Of course. Yeah. We'll have to have you in. Uh, good luck this season. Uh, you're playing offensive tackle now, right? Yes, Switching sir. it up. Yes, sir. Sweet. So uh, we're excited to see you, and we'll see you. We'll watch. We'll make sure we watch some uh, Tuesday night action catch you uh two two questions that's a six spider-man poster in the back oh thank you thank you (laughs) what's your collection what's your collection back here man (sighs) i got a lot it's uh it's funny no one's ever asked me this before uh a lot of legos honestly i'm not gonna lie uh we did we had a whole lego conversation on here at one point yeah in the middle in the middle of july like this where there's not a lot of football to talk about (laughs) They gotta bring me back on, man, for the Legos. Oh yeah! <laughs> All right, we will. We definitely will. Uh, just so this hopefully doesn't, you know, cancel right on us. Uh, thank you all for listening, all who came, and see you guys Friday for uh, for whatever we do next. And thank you, Mr. Cameron Stewart. Yeah, thanks, Cam. Have a so great one. Appreciate y'all. Uh, Ziggy. <laughs> all right.